This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now, open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Oh, uh, we back. I don't know if there's another episode in my 130 whatever episodes that I've been more excited to do than this one. Obviously, I want to talk about Selective Outrage, Chris Rock's latest stand-up special that he just released on Netflix, streamed live over 190 countries, and there's some controversy, right? And we're not just talking about the last 10 minutes where he finally uh, addressed Will Smith and Jada Pickett. Uh, Slap aside, okay? (laughs) Uh, I just, I've, I've been, I, like, I, I wake up and I was, I was on Twitter last night, um, and I'm recording this on Sunday, which is my birthday, I turned 38, I'm gonna talk about that a little bit, my weekend, and I'm also going to talk about a show that I did a couple weeks ago when I was in Rapid City, South Dakota, it was, it was an incredible show, and I didn't get a chance to talk about it, and if you stick around to the very end, I'm going to have an announcement, and I don't want you to get super excited. Like, <laughs> this may not be a big deal for you. Like, you get to the end of the episode, like, oh, you get free socks. Like, I don't want your free socks. Fuck you and your free socks, you know? Uh, but it's a big deal for me because I want to hold myself accountable. I want to hashtag level up. That's what we doing. So, uh, I, have, I have an announcement at the end of the episode. I do want to start here. So I'm going to try to cover all those things, but I do want to start here specifically. I'm not going to talk about, you know, the jokes. I'll I'll brush on the material that Chris Rock did, but I I want to start here because I, I continue to notice this pattern and it happens oh so much. And to be quite honest, it's, it's a little, uh, honestly aggravating. Like, it happened with Rihanna. Like, Rihanna came out. She, oh, she got a little belly. You know what I'm saying? She must be pregnant. You know, every, like, Twitter blew up. And one of the things that I saw oh so much, and, and uh, almost too much, if I could be honest, was, oh, this performance was trash. I didn't like it. She 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 did a horrible job. Oh, look, she's lip singing. She's not this artist who did it this year. And, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I get it. Like, Super Bowl performances are the talk of the town. If you if you saw the numbers, more people tuned in to, like, that spike when she performed higher than the game. And they both were record-breaking. But it was amazing. And obviously, she was pregnant. She revealed, boom, baby number two on the way. Um, there was a little sexual, like, you know, like she was doing a little movement and the sperm people. And listen, I get all that. Like, the 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 issue, like my number one issue was the way we gave fe- the way we gave feedback, right? Like, it was trash. She did a terrible job. What specifically? Like, I think we can be in a space where we're like, I just didn't like it. It just didn't work for me. Not my type of music. Not my favorite artist. But we 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 live in this social world where in order for one thing to be great, we got to tear down something else. There's a, a, a ESPN analyst, Stephen A. Smith, who made the comment about, 
you know, Rihanna performing. And this was prior to the Super Bowl where he was like, hey, I like Rihanna, but she ain't no Beyonce. And I get why we say that. That's barbershop talk. We say that all the time. I'll be honest with you. There is some shit that I say in the barbershop that I will not say on stage. I will not do it on this podcast. And it's not like it's incriminating, but it's takes that are not ready for the world. Okay. You, you ever have a thought and you're like, that was a dumbass thought <laughs> or a comment or a reaction. And then you think about it, you think it through, you derive to a greater conclusion. That's sort of what I think barbershops, salon talk, you know, uh, household talk. You know, we, we grew up in I grew up in a black family, y'all. And we talked about everything. We talked shit about everybody. And, you know, if you look at it today, there's there's definitely some abuse. You know, I had my mother on a couple of episodes ago. We talked about like these are signs of abuse. You know, these are these are not the right way to go about raising children. These are not the tools that we want to give them. But on the flip side, a lot of that shit made us tougher. It made our thick, made our skin a little thicker, right? So it's one of those things where like, ah, what's the what's the lesson here? What you take away from it? And one of the things I think a lot of people, and maybe too many people take away, is that we be shitting on our own people way too much. And I'm talking just specifically to black people. I'm talking specifically to black men. And I, this is this is not necessarily a hey, uh, we hate black women. We you know, uh, Rihanna is a terrible artist. But I really feel like if we're a little bit more selective with our words, our verbiage, then the message, maybe the real message that we're trying to convey, will come out, and not just oh, Day Day thought Rihanna's performance was trash. He's black. I'm a white person. If Day Day says it, then I definitely can co-sign. Like, hey, I got a black person that that supports my thought. And I say all that because I have a joke on my second album where I talk specifically about my experience working with J.J. Jimmy Walker. And I talk about the responsibility that we should have when we're talking, especially in a public eye. Social media is a public eye. So when you tweet your shit and you comment your shit and you post your things, everybody can see. And then it's out there. And I just think we could be a little bit more selective. So if you did not like Rihanna's performance at the Super Bowl, what did you not like? Please be more specific. Right. Did she lip sing a little bit? Yeah, because there is a transition. She did sing and she had a beautiful voice and she killed it. Uh, she didn't dance a lot and pop her pussy, whatever your issue was. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I, I'll just say this. I think Rihanna's uh, beautiful. I sexualize her as a man. Uh, I love when she work, work, work. Like I, I want it. I want it all. Okay, <laughs> I get it. But that doesn't mean she did not move. She did not dance, and she did not do great. And there were some moments where she she did some things that, you know, Fox News could say was the Illuminati, you know, <laughs> whatever, whatever I read about, you know, some of her hand gestures and uh, she touched herself and licked her finger. And look, relax. OK, I thought one of the greatest things I've ever seen in a Super Bowl halftime show was we was at the barbershop. We were talking about which song she was going to come out to. And we all put out like Disturbia and 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 uh 
shine bright like a diamond. Like we all put out the hits. And I was scrolling through the list because I was like, how what song will she pick? And I came across bitch better have my money <laughs> i'm like what if she does this and she did that like that was the song she came out to and i'm like this is like that's boss bitch like i don't know if i'm using the term right because i don't really use that term but that was that was bossy as hell i absolutely love it so what i'm saying is if you had an issue with her what was the issue i thought she did a great job i think the fact that she was pregnant should definitely be like Hey, you pregnant women better step your game up. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I, think, I think it was extraordinary um, of what she did, what, what she had. You know, like, again, uh, record-breaking, her becoming number one streaming artist. Like, she did the job. And I think sometimes, maybe, just maybe, our expectations are not managed. Because what we do is we look at what we want, what we expect, compared to what we get, and because it's not what we wanted or, you know, whatever we had in our mind, it falls short of that. Oh, it was trash. Oh, I didn't like it. Uh, I want my money back. It's a free show, bitches. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of Peace Talk Podcast is brought to you by Ruby Ribbon. But more specifically, one of my best friends who sells the product, she got uh, completely into it and it changed her life. And so she started changing other people's lives. And I think that is incredible. Uh, Ruby Ribbon is a three-in-one solution to an everyday problem, the underwire bra. So women who are out there that hate your bra uh don't like your bra you guys are having issues and problems and you break up every week <laughs> like uh this is a this is a solution you can get comfortable everyday shapewear that can also be worn as outerwear uh it it it's it's it, it actually takes one three inches off your waist this is like a seven second tummy tug and it's for every woman of all different sizes so big small big boobs small boobs they have you covered uh, what's pretty incredible is my mother bought it, my wife bought it, a lot of my best friends bought it, and at first, to be honest, they, they buy it to support, right? Like, hey, I'm selling a new product, can you buy it and support? But they bought it, and they absolutely love it, and it's changing their lives, and it's changed a lot of women's lives, and if you are interested in having your life change and, and wearing a bra and and you know, a fitting that, that works a lot better than probably what you have, please uh, reach out to her. Uh, <laughs> it's www.myshamama, that's M-Y-S-H-E-M-A-M-A.com. Tell her they sent you and uh, she'll take great care of you. They'll help with sizing and everything else. So uh, check it out. Let me know how it goes and uh, good luck, ladies. Check her out. Look, that was a long open. I didn't mean to go off on a on a rant or a tangent about it, but I I think I want to I think that helps explain my other point, which is 
Oh, Chris Rock dropped a special. Oh, it wasn't that good. Oh, it's not. He's not that funny. He's not one of the ghosts. He's this. He's that. He's this. Let me just back up a little bit and and be a little bit more specific of what I am saying. Comedy is subjective. We know this. We talk about it, but it seems to, to <laughs> it seems to like miss everybody. Every time these these comedians come up, every time these Amy Schumer's or these Louis C.K.'s, Dave Chappelle's, every time they do something and we just don't agree with, it didn't make us laugh, we have these very strong opinions and we have to get on top of a mountain and voice it. Like, like, like <laughs> I understand. I get it. Like, you feel a certain way and you have to tell people immediately. The Rihanna part is talking about what black people do a lot that I wish we can do a better job of. And I brought up black men specifically because I see a lot of black men like leading that charge. And let's just be very clear. This is just what I see. So uh, if if you see, you know, a, a bunch of Asians shitting on Rihanna <laughs> like, and, and that's that's your experience. OK, what I'm seeing is. Uh, <laughs> and again, I feel like I'm gonna get off on a little another point, but I'm getting like Lizzo. Like, I see a lot of black men. Like, oh, she need to cover that shit up. Listen, I think Lizzo is dope. I think she's a great artist. Is she a big girl? You damn right, she a big girl. Can she wear whatever the fuck she wants to wear? Okay, I don't. I don't know why we have so much problems with <laughs> what other people do. You know, like. Again, if I'm a big dude and I feel encouraged or inspired to wear some some you know some joggers and, and let let my thing thing swings, look, go for it. But if I, if I'm also a big guy and I'm like you know I don't want to wear it, I don't feel comfortable in that. This is what I prefer. Good on you, champ. I don't know why we're like, hey, you over there, don't wear that. You shouldn't do this. Don't sing that. Don't talk about these things. And I say all that because leading the charge from what I see is a lot of black men, a lot of black people just crapping on our own. There is a difference between crapping on our own and people that, in my opinion, are no longer our own. What is he talking about? Cosby. Dr. Cosby did a lot of incredible things. Talked about it on my special or my special, I talked about it on my comedy, my second comedy album. For me, Cosby is lifted out of a certain community. Not not to say he's not black anymore. He He's lifted out of a, we. I'm going to protect this individual. And he's placed in a new, he's placed in a new arena with the, with the rapers and, you know, the, the shit people. And when you're in that, for me, when you're in that arena, I no longer want to protect you. You do a when you talk recklessly, you know. Anar Kelly is another example. When you talk recklessly, and your actions are detrimental to black people, I am not going to defend you. And I'm okay with you sort of being pushed in this. Hey, you made your mess. You made your bid. You on your own, bro. Work that shit out. But I'm not gonna not talk about it. I'll give you a very specific example. Uh, <laughs> I, I actually 
said I wasn't going to do it. So that you guys are getting something that I, I told myself I wasn't going to do. So with the late great Kobe Bryant passing, I was like, I, I want to be done competing against other people. You know, like who's better, Kobe, LeBron, uh, Jordan. I'm, I was on some. They're all great. How I rank them is this, that, and the other. But I'm not going to go out of my way to be like, F this person because this person is greater. And we do it too much. Specifically, last year, uh, Coming to America 2 came out. And again, wasn't gonna wasn't gonna do this, but I did not care for the movie. And that's as much as I'm going to say. I was excited about the movie. The movie came out on my birthday. I watched the movie. I was disappointed. On Facebook and on any social media, I was like, the movie came out. Go watch it. Uh, it was good to see the sequel after so many years. Yada, yada, yada. And that was it. I didn't spend any extra time or energy shitting on anything that I did not like publicly. And there's power in that. I just wish everybody would understand like, you don't have to be the first person to say two thumbs down or two thumbs up. I mean, if, if you're praising something and, and you really believe in it, good for you. But if you're just here to just be negative and tear this down and I didn't like it and yada, yada, yada. And, and maybe you are a critic and maybe you can break it down and there's some science behind it. There's some actual evidence and information. And and that's how these debates and these these conversations uh, I guess can go where they're a lot more productive. But if you're just on here, if you're just on a scene to be like, yo, that shit was, tra- hey, don't waste your money. No, waste your money. Go watch it. Go support us. Because what we do not realize and what we do not, I don't want to say understand, but what we underestimate is how many doors are open because of the people that came before us. And if all we're doing is shutting the doors and slamming in and criticizing and tearing us down, we're we're messing up our own blessings. There's a lot of there was a lot of talk to to get to. Go on Twitter, bunch of people are shitting on Chris Rock. And when I say bunch of people, again, just what I'm seeing. A lot of people didn't like it and think it was funny. This that, and I go on Facebook, same thing. And there's some people that I value their opinion. Some people I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about. I absolutely love the special. Now, I'm I'm just talking from with my goggles on. And like I kind of mentioned previously, things that I did not care for or or that I had an issue with or pro- I'm going to leave a lot of that out. Because once again, these are this is the next day that I'm recording this episode. So, it I've only watched it once. It has the dust has not even settled. And for me to, you know, hey, I really hated this. And I'm, that's that's just not what I'm here for. That's not what I do. And I do not I do not support people that do. Uh, I Again, I, I value people's opinion. I think we all have one. But I think how we use it is important. I'm just going to talk about what my goggles and what I saw. Uh, the only thing that I, I thought was like, like somebody asked me, did it drag a little bit? The only comment that I have about that is you have this one take, one shot special. 
I love that it, it, it was done live. I think that we don't, we do not understand. And I know Chris Rock is a legend and he's been doing it for oh so long, but there is still a human level, a, a human element to doing something live. The Oscars, anything can happen. Okay. <laughs> and when you put it out there, there is no editing. When I did my first special, my first album, it was a one take, one shot. I, I messed up a lot. There's, I, I miss jokes. I miss parts. I miss punchlines. I, I flubbed lines. There was no redo. It's out there recorded. You can go listen to my first album. Go watch my first special on YouTube. You will see some of these things. And I'm telling you, had I had a second show, had I had an opportunity to edit it and do it again, it would be a stronger punch bigger laugh that's that's the game of comedy specials anyway i think what happened with the drag on comment that i hear a lot is i think what was important was that chris rock put enough material out there that when he does eventually go and and maybe edit some stuff or splice some things together or what he he has enough material the worst thing is to not have enough you know, like if you fall short of your time, like, hey, I'm going to do an hour special and you hit that 52 minute mark, you're like, uh oh. But if you hit that 106, you're like, all right, let's just take six minutes off that we did not need. You know, maybe to walk to the stage, we we cut that out. So for that experience, and I know when you're talking about legends and, and you know, the expectation is every minute should be great. <laughs> I just don't think that's the world that we live in. One of my favorite things about the entire special was how human it felt. It felt like, and this just, again, it felt like he had been practicing this in his head for a long time. Obviously, he had been working and touring with Kevin Hart and Dave Chappelle since last year. And he had been on stage numerous times. And I felt there were some bits and some jokes that were a little bit more sharper than the others. And I think there were some that, you know, hey, he was like, hey, I'm going to go with this tonight. And I have those experiences. In fact, I do them quite often where I have my set list and I know I want to do these or I know this is how I'm going to start. This is how I think I'm going to end. And some of this middle stuff, we're going to work that out on stage. Sometimes it goes great. Sometimes it does not go great. But you're professional and there's always finding that way back you know, when you get lost, <laughs> when you get lost, you, you find your way back to the road. I love what he did. Uh, and I, I will say this. I, I was looking at his stand-up specials. I think he has an incredible track record. And I, I got to I gotta also be completely honest. He has a special that I do not remember whatsoever. He has a special. It was this fourth one called Kill the Messenger. He recorded in London. I do not remember this one. And I'm sure when I have time this week, I'll kind of track it down and see if I can remember some of the bits and and the special itself. But his first three specials, work of art. In fact, I think he has probably, with the exception of Eddie Murphy, which is just cheating because Eddie Murphy had the first two comedy specials and he's like, I'm done. Uh, Raw and Delirious, I think, are just gold. They're the two best collections of of comedy specials in my life that I've ever seen a person do. But obviously, you have other comics that have 
a larger body of work for stand-up comedy. And I think Chris Rock, first three, is untouched. He uh, opened up in 96 with Bring the Pain, followed that with Bigger and Blacker, <laughs> for those who remember that. And that was 99. And then in 2004, he had Never Scared. And I think those are three incredible out the gate. You know, it's like how they say a sequel is never as better, is never as good as the first or the trilogy. Is ne- His first three specials, mwah. I do not remember number four, Kill the Messenger. And then he, you know, 10 years after that, because he did Kill the Messenger in 2008, in 2018, he did Tambourine, and I'm telling you, Tambourine is a is beautiful. You know, I'm a huge Eminem fan, and you know, Eminem took this break from 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 recording and doing albums, and then his first album back was like, "Hey, we're happy you're back, but I, I, I'm not in love with it. Uh, you know, I like it. <laughs> I'm a buyer. I support you. You my guy, but I don't love it like I want to love it." And Tambourine, for me, is an example of one of your favorite stand-up comics taking some time, not touring, coming back, doing a special. And yes, I also love that they did an extended cut where they kind of had more, like they released, I think, a year or two later, I think during COVID, where they had more uh, bits. And the order of the show was a little different, which gave it a lot more... um, What's the word? I, where it goes in a, a just a better flow. It was more cohesive. Uh, tander, ch- tambourine is is a great comedy special. Now that gets me to selective outrage. We haven't seen Chris Rock, so Tambourine comes out in 2018. He releases an extended cut in 2020. Basically, starts getting back to touring, figuring out writing some new material. Everybody knows about what happened last year at the Oscars. Twenty-two. It's almost a year, year later, and we want to hear him talk about the slap, which he does in the final ten minutes. And I know he. I again, these are my goggles. I know he planned to do some of the bits and and the jokes that he did do, but I think there were some some real human moments and emotions that went into how do we say this exactly. I think there were some real organic moments during this special that I loved about Tambourine, where he was talking about his infidelity. And um, there was also a little bit of like, again, if you follow his his specials, there's 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 a story. It's what Dave Chappelle did with his Netflix specials, where if you watch all of them, you know, it's kind of like watching a, a, a binge watching a series. You can see what he's, you know, you can see season one, how it leads into season two and how each special sort of leads into the other one. And now we're at this, you know, the, the man is what, 50, 56 or 58 years old. What, what what do you want from him? He's not the same comedian he was in the late 90s. So with my goggles, here's what I saw. I saw a man that's like, look, I want to get back on the stage. I'm really great at my craft and I have some things to say. And when you're at a, a Chris Rock level, an iconic level, people pay to hear your opinion. Right? Like, hey, if they added a new stoplight color, like, hey, we got red, we got orange, we or yellow, and uh, we got green, we're thinking about adding purple. They added 
We go to our comedians. What the fuck do you think about this new color purple? <laughs> right? And it, it doesn't have to be the invention. Nobody's reinventing the wheel with these comedians. Like, there are some incredibly cr- clever comics where they say things a way that we just didn't think about or a way that we just couldn't formulate the words. And we're like, bravo. But also, sometimes you're just a comedian with some thoughts that are funny. You kind of put them in certain orders. You build a joke. You have a punchline and you go out with that. And people want to know. So that's what I saw. I saw a man who is great at his craft. Excellent. I think Chris Rock is a top five for me of all the comedians I've ever seen in the world. Top five. And what really has done it for me are the specials. When you can just back to back have a great body of work, I think that speaks a lot. And I, I loved, I love the <laughs> the fearless. Uh, I love how fearless he 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 sound to me. Let me paint the picture. Uh, <laughs> today is my birthday. We we got out of the house. We took a three hour drive. Uh, I think it's three and a half to Iowa City. Uh, there's a restaurant that that my father in law took me to when he goes down there to watch wrestling. Uh, Iowa Hawkeyes they wrestle. That's a thing. I went one time, and on the way back, we stopped at this restaurant called Monica's, which is actually the name of my wife, <laughs> and uh, had this really good uh, pasta dish. And I was just like, let's just get out. We never took the kids. Let's just get out for the weekend. I didn't have any shows, so we go down there, and it was. Fun time with the kids. Obviously, they be acting up. They just wild sometimes when they get out the house. But it was fun. All five of us had some good food. Good time together. We get back to the hotel. It's time for the the comedy uh, special to air. So I'm on my phone <laughs> in the hotel room, in the bed. I end up eventually putting my headphones on or, or my iPods or whatever they call it. And I'm laughing out loud. And... It was what I wanted. I wanted to see what this man had to say. And obviously how he says it. I love his joke about the Kardashians. I thought I thought what he did from the beginning was like, look, we we gonna go some places. And I've 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 tried a lot of this these jokes out. And I'm not I I, I stamp, I put my stamp on them. I'm not afraid to say them. I want y'all to hear it. And that's where we're at. This is who I am. I, again, I think it's crazy for me to t- turn on Eminem and want him to be blonde and scream and 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 be mad at his mom and Kim. I want to see the older, mature. What are we talking about now? So I, I love the Kardashian joke. I love the trans jokes. Uh, there's a trans comedian in California that I have not met. I thought I did. And uh, she's, she's, you know, like when, when Dave Chappelle went with the trans, like went against the, I don't want to say the trans community, but when, when that was a huge controversy, you know, I, 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 I listened or I turned to trans comedians and, and I'm, I'm interested to know 
what they think and, and what they say. And, and, and this is not to say one trans loves this, so I love it, or one trans hates this, so I don't care. For, it's just to get a different perspective because I, I hear it from, as, from a black man's perspective and as a comedian. And she said just something to the effects of, I love the, the trans jokes. They were funny. Dave Chappelle should take notes. And I, I thought it, I thought it was good. Like, I, you know, you, you bring up trans today. It's like, oh, what, what are you going to say? And how are you going to say it? And I thought I thought he he executed what 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 he wanted to. I love the I love when he mentions his ex-wife, because, again, that's what we got in the last special. So we understand there's a different relationship now that he has with his ex-wife and how she took the house. And <laughs> he has a, a joke about, hey, she has just as much money as he, ha- he has and she's not as funny. Like, I, I thought there was just some real like, I, I want to talk about these things that really touch that, you know, that they really are important to me. I think he spent... Uh, a lot of time talking about his daughter and I think it was just a point to like hey I really want to to kind of explain where we are and where I am now so what I saw was an icon great at his craft finding some new topics to, to touch on and doing it from a point of fearless because when you have cancer culture and you have these names that are big as they are you say the wrong thing or you do the wrong thing and uh, they bring down the Thor. They bring down the hammer on you. And I just, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Now, I will say something that, you know, take it or leave it. Was it the funniest thing I ever seen in my life? It was not. Am I biased because he is Chris Rock? Absolutely. Your favorite comedian can do a joke. And your local open mic comedian can do the same joke. And because it comes from the source... It matters. Your favorite comedian says, and you're like, I love this. You, local no-name person, you're like, uh, you can do better. <laughs> so, so, again, when I say that, I'm, 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 I'm alluding to the idea that these words in like, I never heard these jokes before. I didn't. These were in completely shocking uh, punchlines, unpredictable. It was just, I love that he was on stage he was in a public eye. He had took this moment that had happened a year ago and really capitalized on it. And it was a big moment. It was the first time it had happened where he was just streaming a live comic co- concert. And like I said, anything can go wrong. So many things can go wrong. And I know they probably were super prepared for a lot of those things. But like I said, the biggest thing that I learned, and I, I know, I don't know, maybe the next special that I do or the next album, I will do one take one one show there are some comedians it's like hey i just put everything i have in the first performance so to ask me to do it again uh i think we're going to end up just getting 90 percent for the first show and then 10 percent from the second show i love that i did two shows because for the second album it was important that i got things right but if you if you don't know i did two shows but they were still all one takes. <laughs> like I didn't repeat any of the jokes from the first show. So when I did my second album, I did jokes and the material that I planned. It went so well. So by the time I did the second show, I did mostly crowd work and I just put those things together. And that was my second album. I didn't do the first show and then for the second show, do the same jokes and material and then pick the better of the two. So I say, I ought to say there's some pressure. There's some pressure on Hey, I got to go out and entertain the world. 
And I love that everybody's still talking about it. So whether you loved it or not, you're more than welcome to tell me your opinion. But I hope you enjoyed it. But again, with my goggles, I saw Icon go out there, do the job. Talk about these topics. Be fearless about it. Be personal. A lot of it felt very organic for me. A lot of it felt, again, like he had rehearsed some things. But some things was like, hey, this is just in the in the spur of the moment. I love the fact that he had messed up a joke and then instantly just redid it just in case they, again, spice and cut and they air it again. And then the 10 minutes where he finally addressed Will and Jada. Uh, (laughs) I thought there was a moment where it kind of reminded me of 8 Mile Eminem at the end where they're doing the rap battles and he just kind of goes off script and he's just like, I don't care what happens. Look, you can cut my time. I'm still going to get these words. I'm going to get these bars out, bruh. I think it just got to a moment where he's like, look, I know everybody want to hear what I'm, I got to say. Let me say that for the end, which was in, just genius. I thought what he said and how he said it was, again, nothing crazy spectacular than what we had probably heard for a year. Jada, this, Will's dealing with hurt. I've talked about that on the podcast. But because it was coming from Chris and because he was at a point now where maybe he's healed enough where he can talk about it. He hit those points and he explained from his perspective. And that's what we wanted. He made some jokes about it, dropped the mic. And I thought it was, I thought it was, I thought those 10 minutes was so instrumental to the full circle of what we were watching. Yes, we were here to hear it. Yes, that probably was a huge sale. But for me, as a fan, I thought the special, which also clearly demonstrates how selective outrage really is a thing how we are very angry about one thing but we let a lot of things a lot of other things slide that sometimes are very similar how we get so angry at a comedian and not the same about a politician that says some of these things that has these powers that put these laws in order but don't make fun about that person and don't say these jokes and (sighs) i thought that was i thought that was great so, uh, longer take than I wanted it to, but listen, uh, I think this is probably the best time to, to tell you what, 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 uh, I think I'm just going to end the episode here. I think this is the best time to tell you what my, uh, <laughs> what my announcement is. And then I'll talk about turning 38 and I'll talk about the other thing, uh, my show in South Dakota on the next episode. I am now going to try to commit to doing two episodes a week. I hope they are not 30 minute episodes. That is not my goal, but I would love to come on here and at least have two, you know, topics or, or, or conversation piece where I can put it out there and you can hear from me now twice a week. That is the goal. That is what I'm going to try to commit to. Thank you guys for listening. I hope uh, I, I shared what, what the goal was, was just to say, look, our messaging is important and it's so received differently Sometimes in how we intended. And I'm telling you, people are listening. People are watching. And specifically, I, you know, I, I have this I have this verbiage where I say people can and will use the your words against you. You know, so when we call Kanye crazy, and let's just face it, there's some there's some mental issue <laughs> there's some mental illness there. Uh, but when we do it and when we lead the charge. It's so easy for everybody else to follow line. All right, that's the episode. I appreciate you. And I will uh, talk to you later this week. Peace.
If you want me to read an ad for you or your business, just give me money. Okay, I will say how great your product is. I'll call you a humanitarian. This season, I'm looking to get sponsorship, which just helps take this podcast up another level. Uh, there's a couple of different ways you can do it and a couple of different ways you can reach out to me. So you can go to my email, which is uh, comediandayday, D-A-Y-D-A-Y at Gmail. Or you can reach out to me through my link tree, which is link tr.ee slash daypeacecomedy. Uh, anything is appreciated. Everything is appreciated. Don't forget to laugh today. Peace.